Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. Stephen Doucette Campbell, Jennifer Bowen, and Jen Watt are counselors with Shalane Mental Health Network. They very kindly agreed to let us eavesdrop in on three conversations with them about COVID-related topics like isolation, marriage, and parenting. What you're about to hear is their conversation on parenting during the high, deep stress of COVID. I loved the line about having to be the most gracious when you're at your worst. Yep. Also, the advice to give yourself a timeout as a parent is pretty priceless. Enjoy and share. You can find the other two conversations at faithtoday.ca slash podcast. So here we are again. My name is Jen Watt. I am a therapist at Shalane, and I've been meeting clients online since this March, and I have not seen a client in person since that time. And I'm Stephen Dusak Campbell, and also a therapist working with Shalane, and have been gone online since March 17th. I'm Jennifer Bowen. I am also a therapist working at Shalane, as well as the executive director as of January, which is exciting. And it occurred to me as we were having conversations today about, about COVID and mental health that one of Shalane's, one of our main mandates is how, how we as an agency can support community members. So in a lot of ways, I think we've been looking forward to having these podcasts and talking about these themes and hoping they're useful to people. So today is the third part of the three-part series on COVID, and uh, today is parenting COVID. That's a big one. I feel like a lot of times when um, COVID is talked about, actually parenting is a big one. That's uh, if you just Google COVID, parenting seems to come up as a is a big big topic. I know that we've said this before in past conversations that with COVID, it feels like there are waves and and it's dramatic and difficult. And then we hit these plateaus where we kind of get used to a new normal and we figure out how to do the grocery store and we figure out how to do school and things are kind of mostly okay. And I feel like Ontario just hit another really difficult, as you're saying, Stephen, a really difficult wave where parents are reeling again with, with the school mm-hmm. shutdown. And <laughs> I may have had a child this morning in their pajamas on the floor, face down, <laughs> not wanting to do schoolwork when schoolwork was happening. So this is an area very close to my heart. And I'm sure for both of you, it also is hitting home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's almost and not at all a commentary on the government or anything like that, but just that it's like, because in my household, there were two dates who we're looking to one is the longer one and one was the, the shorter one. And today was supposed to be the day that the younger ones go to school. And it's almost like, okay, and then we have to start again. And, and almost like if it could be said that, okay, we're going to shut down till April, we can all grieve it. And then we're just in it for the long haul rather than like the short term. And however way it comes out is not really for the discussion, but more just that like, okay, the next thing and the next thing. And then we're just gearing ourselves up for the next deadline. And we have to activate all of those resources and the ways to cope. Yeah. And I think the big thing right now is just naming like in whatever situation people are living in right now with, with their kids, I think just the burden and the pressure that's putting in juggling, you know, work with parenting and how that can differ between depending on who all the caregivers are in the home, the way that that burden can be spread in different ways too. And so I think that's, that's really putting a lot of stress on people. Something that I'm thinking about right now is um, when I first had a child, I remember my father-in-law saying something like one of the hard parts of parenting is you have to be your most gracious when you are at your most frustrated. 
So parenting is an incredibly stressful thing. And it's in those most stressful moments that you have to be at your best to be present and able to problem solve with your child. And I think he said that like 15 years before COVID happened, when parenting seemed much simpler looking back now. But it's not simple. And we as parents are all stressed because of work or stressed because of school closings, stressed because of people in our family either being out of work, um, financial stressors, uh, or illness, right? There are lots of families who are listening right now that have been personally impacted by COVID uh, and that might be having conflict with people around them because of COVID. It's in those situations that parents have to find a way to deal with their child who might be on the floor in their pajamas face down when it's time to work on math. And how and how do you do that? And you have a Zoom call to jump into because you were supposed to set up your child for math for a certain time, but you couldn't get to it because it's uh, five minutes till. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about ourselves right now at all. But yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I I think there's an agenda, like there is every day, it feels like there's this agenda that we all, these things that we need to get done. And we all have our personal things as parents, but also that the things that we expect or hope that our kids will achieve as well. And for a whole bunch of different reasons, it's not just that we need our kids to to do well, but I think there is, I said in the section we talked uh, on marriage before about this idea that if somebody else in our family is anxious, that you know, we need them to be okay so that we can be okay. And I think often when we really kind of disintegrate as parents, sometimes I'm using that word lightly, but we sometimes feel like, okay, I need, I need you to just do this right now for me. Okay. Because we need to get on with this. And I think I was thinking in terms of like, um, control versus connect. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this need to control to make everything okay. Versus sometimes, you know, you're just forcing a square peg in a round hole, it's not going to happen. And so then we need to say, okay, how do I slow this down? And either way, this is hard. And how what what is what does my child need from me right now? Because mm-hmm. I'm the adult, and I need to be able to provide that even though I feel like I'm this is hard. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how either of you feel that I know sometimes when I'm at my most stressed, it is, as I said earlier, it's really hard to be I really good. I have a memory of my daughter, she was probably six or seven, and I was sitting on the stairs with a cup of tea, and I was giving myself a timeout because I thought if I parent right now, it is not going to be good parenting. I'm just going to sit here until I cool down. Mommy, why are you giving yourself a timeout? <laughs> I think I'm hoping that there are parents across on, across Canada that are thinking about timing themselves out and giving themselves time to, to be calm. I'm also thinking if our colleague Betty Brower were part of the conversation right now, She's kind of our master therapist trainer on our team that works with families around attachment when there are foster families, adoptive families, and kids are in a lot of distress and struggling. She teaches parents and caregivers how to connect with those kids. And she she talks about this model of PACE, which stands for, let's see if I can get them all. You're going to go for it? <laughs> I'm going to go for it. So I, I'm not looking at Google. <laughs> yes, okay. I am looking at Google. I'm prepared um, with this. Oh, are you? Okay. So PACE is this magic formula that talks about how if you want your child to hear you and, and, um, and to start calming, that the formula is playfulness, acceptance, so kind of accepting what's happening in the moment, being curious, I wonder what's happening right now, I wonder why this is tricky for us to do, and empathy, I can hear how hard this is for you right now. None of these words are easy to do when we're frustrated and we say, child, The teacher says it's due, you need to sit down and you need to get it done and we only have five minutes. But what we've learned is that child, when they are 
when they are experiencing our stress and when they are really wigging out, our being firm with them does not create results at all, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if we want it to, it's a fantasy that it will. So this model, I think we've all become really big fans of it because the families that we introduce this to find it transformative. That as soon as you crack a joke and put a silly voice on, kids relax and their shoulders come down and they can, and their brain, their frontal lobe can hear what you're talking about, right? So I was just thinking as you were talking, Stephen, that, that you're partly talking about pace, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think Gordon Newfield has that book, Hold On To Your Kids. Mm-hmm. And they talk, he talks about how to collect your how to collect your kids. And I often think in those terms of, okay, I've lost you, have scattered. We're all scattered right now. How do we kind of collect each other? How do we kind of be, become present with each other again? And often, yeah, totally depends on the kid for sure. I mean, personality is such an amazing, it's the, the variety of ways that kids respond um, as all people respond in different ways. But I think to be able to do that with that child particularly in a way that's going to meet them and connect with them. And it would be great if it worked the same for all the kids, but it doesn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we're in that lockdown mode, which I can find myself in, where I'm locked in horn to horn with my child, I think thankful for when I'm not in that mode that I have pep talked myself to say, okay, when I'm in lockdown mode, I need to back off because it's not about winning that argument with the child. And I'm not going to make any headway in that moment by insisting that they do that one thing, because that in some ways that actually really compromises that connection. You might have won that one incident, but then you've lost that connection with your child. But the good news is we can always circle back and say like, oh, I feel like we just we have a wall between us. Even the youngest ones can understand that. And kids really positively respond when we reach back and we say like, hey, I want to connect with you. I feel like there's a wall between us. And then creating that uh, reconnection is so beautiful. Yeah. And I think modeling that is is huge. If we can model that we, I always say not every family maybe says the explicit, hey, I'm sorry moment. Uh, not everybody yeah. maybe has that. But to have that, an equivalent of that, a way that we kind of, again, kind of say, okay, we're okay. Yeah. It's interesting though. Some families I think feel almost there's maybe some guilt that arises or some sort of sense that something's not right. If you don't have that, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Moment. Do you forgive me? Like, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think you necessarily need that. It's nice Mm -hmm. sometimes, but, but even if you just recognize, um, yeah, we lost each other there and we're back and we're okay. And it can be unspoken. I actually, speaking of Betty, she had shared at one point that good enough parenting is like one third of connecting pause, like for the first time, your connection with your child is like really good, that emotional connection and the rest of it is so it's sort of like one out of three times successfully connecting with our kids, not to say for the other uh, 66%, we just let go. But the rest of that is when we come back and circle back, because we've messed up. That is how healthy development happens for children to set them up well. And uh, that's just so helpful to me, because I'm like, okay, I know I at least hit one third of the times of good connection. I can say that for myself, but it's uh, it's a helpful like kind of low bar, but it doesn't mean that that I'll stop there. Yeah, I also think there can be, like the expectations around parenting continue to shift over time, and I think anecdotally, I'm sure there's studies on this, but anecdotally, the expectations around parenting in the 70s and 80s was different than maybe it is now, and that there, I think parents have this pressure to always be on to like my one friend will say 
his kids will ask him at the beginning of the weekend, okay, what are we doing? And it feels like this pressure, like I need to entertain you the entire weekend. And I don't think, <laughs> I didn't get that impression that's my, that my parents felt that same kind of pressure. And I think yeah. we, we set those expectations and we can also shift those. And, and sometimes just to say, okay, I'm going to pour the next, like all I have today is I'm going to give you a half hour of absolute intense time and I'm not, I'll be as on as I can. You can only be who you are, right? Your kids just want to be present with you. They don't need you to be hilarious or whatever. But I think if you, if you think of it and break it into chunks like that, I'm going to be present with you right now. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try and empathize and kind of put, see the world through your lens for a bit of time here. I think that can help rather than feel like, oh, we got this entire day. What am I going to do with this? I have all this other stuff that I have to get done. And I think it's a totally different shift. And the other thing I'd say is when you, not all that time can be intensive and focused. Other times, for me, getting outside is a big one. If I just go for a walk with, with my kids, that is, is meaningful time. And yeah. it's not intense time. It, it feels yeah. like I, I'm getting some space to kind of breathe and, and, and be out in nature and, and do something that we enjoy together. But you can't always play board games and stuff. It's just very intense. I think we, um, for sure, in talking about parenting, we have to talk about screen time in COVID. Yeah. Can we just like cover that? Because I know it's a significant topic in my family. And my own struggle is screen time is not just playtime anymore. Screen time is school time. And screen time is connecting with friends. And screen time is playtime, is entertainment time. So to limit screen time is, it's like a whole can of worms. So can you guys weigh into this too? <laughs> I'm curious what you have to say, Jen. Jennifer, you're holding your head. <laughs> I just, I just had a really big exhale. Um, I think this is so difficult for so many families. That's a political answer. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's funny. At the very beginning, I, a lot of the the um, wise people that I respect were were encouraging families. Don't worry about screen time right now. Do what your kids need to do to get through. And I think that was when we thought COVID might last two or three months meaning uh-huh. how much damage can happen. And now that we're at month nine and 10 and we're thinking it's going to be a few months before we're on the other side, or at least who knows, I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> I'm going to predict how long this is going to last for. I think we are looking at it again and, and what are the ramifications of screen time? I, I think it's something that, that I think about regularly and I don't know that there is an ideal or a perfect solution. I think it's kind of a matter of, is there a way that we could be slightly better at this today than we were yesterday? And are there some ways of adding to the day some substance of connection that's not on the screen? Something that I've been trying to do is, can we throw in a game of Dutch Blitz? Can we throw in a game of play some Scrabble or something with, with each other? Meaning every time we're going for a walk, every time we're playing Boggle or Dutch Blitz, it's time that they're not spending on a screen or they're t- not tempted uh-huh. to be on the screen. So I'm trying to think of it as adding to their days proactively rather than uh-huh. pulling away from screen time. Because I'm mindful, as you've just said, especially for my teenage daughter, not having any access to friends would be really difficult right now. And she's not abusing that, but I'm trying to encourage her <laughs> to make those connections. But it's so counterintuitive because screen time has been... I don't want to say radioactive, but it's been a real concern for most families in Canada for years as social media has taken kind of front and center for most young people. But I don't think there's an easy solution. I don't think there's an ideal thing. It's a messy, messy time. So I'm thinking of it as what can I add proactively that's positive? Yeah, that's spot on. I I think sometimes for my own 
sanity, it doesn't always go well, admittedly, but I think trying to, because you don't always want to go to the logical, but I think it can be helpful to continually have that conversation with your kids, depending on the age of, of your kids. I think when they're younger, sometimes setting those firm expectations are on timeline, you know, like, okay, or at least in your head, like, okay, it's an hour a day or three hours a day, whatever that is, or there's different types of screen time, you know, like, whether it's passive, whether it's watching a show or something, because now it's all potentially on a tablet or a phone, right? Not even on the TV necessarily. So I think just shifting what some of those are, you know, there's some things are, are better than others um, activity wise, but also, yeah, just setting that timeline for yourself of like, okay, this is kind of a, this is the bar I'm aiming for. But I think as kids get older too, you can have that conversation around, okay, what are some reasons maybe you've had enough today or what, what, what are you going to do with this time rather than, cause there's times I'll walk in and you know, we're watching ridiculous videos or something. I'm like, okay, we're not, we're not going to sit and watch videos all day. Like if, if there's something here, but trying to structure that and have that conversation and give some kids some autonomy and independence over, over some of that too. And I think just to name it, I think it is important to have that talk with, kids around some of the risks of the I know this is a huge topic we're not going to get into but just around the risks of the internet because kids are spending so much time on there right now and so much time that potentially isn't actually monitored or supervised super closely because unless your kid's sitting right in front of you and you can see what's on the screen you know kids can get into things that are pretty harmful sometimes so that's important to kind of talk about that I totally agree with all that. One thing I'm going to add is I've met some families that are coming at this from the other angle of screens are bad. And unless you have to be in a screen, you may not be in a screen. And some of those families are yelling at each other for hours a day. And the parents are so reluctant to put the TV on for more screen time that there's, there's chaos and someone's making the meal and someone else is shoving the driver. And there's, and I've actually ended up prescribing. It may be really wise to give everybody a couple of half hour mm. slots where the TV's on and kids are distracted and relaxed and parents can then distract and relax. So I think as horrible and as unsafe and on one end of the continuum it can be, I can also see during a pandemic when the rest of the day is intense, we're all in the house at the same time and can't get away from each other. Television could also be a bit of a, a stress reliever um, for everyone. So I think we have to leave some of the discernment to to families to decide what works best for them and, and what are they struggling with? Are they struggling with intensity of conflict where they could use it as a buffer or are they dealing with disconnection from their kids where they need to tune in and get closer to them? I will say quick too, I think it there's something really important to be said for it's actually okay for for kids and people in general to be bored sometimes. And I actually think that's such a gift. And when you're when when I go back to my 12 year old self, that doesn't feel like a gift when you're bored and, and you're told just do whatever, but you can be bored. But I do think that kids and people in general, again, do really well and get creative and, and solve some of those things. And they learn about that discomfort, how to tolerate the discomfort of not having something right in front of me right now that's kind of pumping dopamine through my brain that's making me feel good or giving me immediate feedback. So yeah, it's hard because again, it's that expectation and, and that takes time to shift. Good stuff, guys. I'm so glad that we talked about that at the very end here. And that wraps up our three episodes on COVID. This has been a privilege to be on here and, uh, and to have this conversation with you guys. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.